handle the truth. Bingo! You are now listening to the facts. Welcome into another episode of Straight Facts, the sports show that educates and entertains. I'm Jake Galley, along with James Jackson. Uh, no Jewel Smiths today. We're missing her today, but let's talk about the past week in sports. Manny Pacquiao defeated Keith Thurman by way of split decision to earn the Super World welterweight title. And Zion Williamson signs a multi-year sneaker deal with Jordan. That was kind of surprising for Zion Williamson. But Tim Duncan was also hired as an assistant coach for the Spurs after playing 20-plus years with the team. And Shane Lowry wins the British Open, his first major title. And here comes a fact straight at you. If the Yankees don't make the World Series this year, the 2010s will be the first decade since the 1910s Mm. that the Yankees did not make the World Series. Will they keep that streak alive this year, or will the AL team will another AL team win the pennant? Well, the way it's looking right now, I don't know who's stopping the Yankees. Like They look incredibly dominant through injury. They've looked dominant. Mm -hmm. Um, And this all coming with the competition in their own division. Yeah. I mean, Boston and Tampa Bay are right on them. Well, I guess not really. I think Tampa Bay is like nine and a half back, Boston ten and a half back. But those are two really good teams. That they nine have to deal and a half with. back and ten and a half back of the AL East. But those are two right. teams that are one and two games out of the AL wild card. Very well, the AL East could send three teams to the playoffs and then two AL East teams could be playing each other in the wild card with that winner playing the Red Sox in the next round. The AL East is just a powerhouse of a of a of a league, and it's spirit headed by the New York Yankees, as you just said. Right, and when you look at those three teams, as we talked about, all of them are in the top 11 in total hits. Boston is actually number one. The uh, Tampa Bay is number nine, and the Yankees are 11. You keep going down the hitting categories. Uh, New York and Boston are top 11 in home total home runs as well. New York, number four. Boston, number 11. I mean, RBIs, Boston, number one. New York, number three. Like, you just keep going down this list mm-hmm. and you keep seeing the same names over and over again. And, I mean, the uh, rightfully so. These are the two major players in baseball history you, that have always been going up against each other. And you hit it right on the nose. The Yankees did this without two of their best hitters and three maybe of their best overall players with Aaron Judge and Giancarlo Stanton just rejoining the team and Didi Gregorius just rejoining the team not too, too long ago. This was a team that was that was led by, uh, like, Miguel Anuhar and DJ LeMahieu and Greg Bird and players like that who are really getting it done still for the Yankees. Let's not forget the old-timer, the OG, CC Sabathia, That's is still nuts. out there and slinging a rock on the mound. That's absolutely nuts. Like, even, like, thinking back to, like, the golden days of my baseball fandom when the Phillies were doing really well, like, mm-hmm. they were going up against CC Sabathia when right. he was in his prime, and, and for him to still be playing is pretty incredible. But one of the guys you mentioned, DJ LeMahieu, um, was a phenomenal pickup for them. He was formerly on the Colorado Rockies. He's batting three thirty seven this year. Um, I believe he's already set a personal record yeah, in home runs, home runs for this year. Mm-hmm. Granted, home runs are up, and we'll talk about that a little bit, but... He's been just another guy. I mean, you look at Encarnacion, and Mm -hmm. when you start to look at the absence of maybe Stanton or or, or Judge for whenever time they were out, like, you have these guys that can supplement where, 
you're not even missing missing a step. And and to me, that's the reason that they're going to make it back to the World Series. Yeah, as as Aaron, their manager Aaron Boone said last week in a heated dispute with the um, uh, effing savages in the oh, box. Oh, right, that was a great that was a great effing savages in the box. They really get it all done. It helps when you have a short porch in Yankee Stadium. Um, but even when they leave Yankee Stadium, these power numbers don't dip as they've done in the past previous seasons with the Yankees. When they leave that short field in Yankee Stadium, those power numbers go down. This year they didn't, and Edwin Encarnacion getting him in kind of the middle slash beginning part of the season probably is going to end up being one of the best pickups in baseball. He was already amongst the MLB leaders in home runs when they got him, so the Yankees just getting him, that just fixed the bronze bomber style. Yeah, I mean, it feels like almost like overkill, and you look at all around, like we've been saying, like all around those lineups, like even Didi Gregorius is having a phenomenal mm-hmm. season, missed a little bit of time due to injury, um, but... You look at the game they just had. I think as of recording, it was last night against the, the Twins. Twins. Probably the game of the year. In Fourteen the to twelve was the something final like score. Yeah. Something like that. I actually went to bed when it was twelve to eleven. Um, Twins were last up in the ninth, but like sixty the, lead changes, right? Or something right. Like that. In that yeah. game, DB Gregorius. Uh, actually, I haven't checked the box score since when I went to bed. He had seven mm. RBIs. He may yeah. have picked up a few other ones, but like just right there, they're never out of any game. With that power, you're never out of any game. The power and the defense, too. I mean, Aaron Hicks with the the Superman, you know, sports center top 10 catch to end the game at the very end of the game. Um, And then you forget about the bullpen that they have, too. Like, you still, you may not get to him or may not need him oftentimes, but then you have Aroldis Chapman coming out of the bullpen for your closer, topping out at 100, 203 miles an hour on any given night. The Yankees just top to bottom. And and when you look back at the Yankees teams that were dominant, we won't go all the way back until like the 40s and 50s and stuff where they're making crazy runs. But even the Jeter era, the 09 Yankees and stuff, they were so well-rounded with their bats, their fielding, and their pitching, and then their bullpen. And that's how they stack up again this year. Like, if you want to try to figure out a weakness how do we beat the Yankees? Do we overpower them pitching? Can't do that. Do we feel better than them? Probably can't do that. Do we hit better than them? You're damn for sure not doing that. <laughs> not this year. So and then and, and that's that's a hallmark of a really really good Yankees team. And what really pisses me off is I could. In past seasons, because you know I love to hate the Yankees mm-hmm. as a Phillies fan, I could point to them. Oh, they bought they bought their team. You know they still have one of the highest payrolls in baseball. Um, but a lot of their players, a lot of their good players, are homegrown. Didi Gregorius, Gary Sanchez, like they're players that are coming up from their farm systems. Not that they went out and bought Aaron yeah. Judge too. Cashman's done a great job there, mm-hmm. and right. And you speak about. Chapman, but even before him, Zach Britton coming out of the bullpen as well for them. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a guy who just a couple years ago was one of uh, the most dominant bullpen players in the league. Uh, the only thing that I will say is that all these ALEs teams are, are, you know, having great statistics, great batting. Does it help at all? They play one of the worst teams, the worst team in the MLB, in the Orioles, 18 times a year. I mean, you get 18 wins out of it, but what's 18? <laughs> but what's 18 wins in this grand scope of 182? Uh, 10% of the season. That, that's true. That's over. one in every 10 games. You're getting, a, you're getting a, you know, you're getting a win. Um, let's talk about the rest of the AL East because the Yankees are not the only. The Yankees might be far and away the best team in that league, but they're not the only good team in that league. Like the Red Sox um, are one of the most unique teams in baseball to me because World Series winners last year and they came out. You want to talk about a slow start? You want to talk about stumbling out the gate, fumbling a bag out the gate? The Red Sox started out as one of the worst teams in baseball through like May and June and now all of a sudden you look up and they're two games out of a wild card spot. Right, and they were always too talented. That that, that wasn't going to be... This uh, also wasn't the the first year that they did a worst to first. They've done worst to first. Right, they're they're also pretty versed in that. I mean, Chris Sale, 
he hasn't been the Chris Sale that you always expect this year. Mm-mm, but, I mean, uh, if, if he can round into form again, baseball is definitely a sport where heading to the playoffs, whoever is the hottest team, I don't care about the record. You play 160-something game, 162 games, a lot could change. The Cardinals have showed us that. The Giants have showed us that. It's not about who's the best throughout the regular season. It's about who's best at the right time. And if the Red Sox can win that, especially their like championship pedigree and how you know how used to they are, how used that city is to playing under pressure in the playoffs, all it's like one of those teams that they just need to get there. And if they get there, Alex Cora is a great manager. He's gonna find ways to get his team into games. They've already had young players who have stepped up in big spots. Like Andrew Benintendi was one of the best rookies last year. You get him into the playoffs, and he's gonna be really good again. Yeah, like you said, a, a very seasoned team. And as for Tampa Bay, I mean, I. They're not a team that I foresaw as like going to be. A, I mean, I guess you could have probably predicted they might be in the wild card race, but really, based off their past years, they haven't been that great of a team. No. And it, it is good to see. Uh, I mean, you know, there's a lot, lot of things that go wrong. That that stadium is like, oh, you always see it on Sports Center, the Tampa Bay Stadium. Well, doing something else, it's just disgusting. It's X Y Z. It's good to see that they're finally back on the right track. It's hilarious because before every, like especially when it's on Sports Center, before every Rays game, you see the two managers and the home plate umpire like looking up at the sky in the dome and kind of pointing to stuff. And it's it's them saying what's in play and what's not in play. If it hits that rafter, it's in play. But if it hits that rafter, no, it's out of it's play. Ridiculous. If it bounces off there and does a pinball effect and comes back on the field, you still got to play it. Like, like it's it's hilarious. If you're going to spend a hundred a hundred plus million, however much they spend on these stadiums, don't you think? that a baseball stadium might be optimal to play baseball in. <laughs> be open at least. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. I don't, like, that's just... And it's yeah, funny because all the money that goes into baseball, all the renovations you see of every stadium and the Rays just refuse to renovate it. The, the Tropicana Field is just going to stay Tropicana Field. Like, I don't... Well, it's, it's, like, it's like part of the Rays, like... It's like part of who they are. It's like their stick. Like if I mean, you come to our stadium and you hit it, hit a high fly ball, you're gonna have to deal with the fact that it might pinball off the roof a couple right. of times. Right? Yeah, it's like backyard baseball. Like, exactly. all right, well, if it hits off the clothing line, you just got a double. <laughs> exactly. Like whatever. Um, but uh, aside from the mainstays of Boston and New York, the Twins have actually been a nice break from the norm. Uh, they're on pace to set the single season slugging percentage record. Uh, they, they, they've been a little. A little cool cooling off effect over the last 42 games or 21 and 21. Mm. But just seeing that club go from a terrible team, make some picks, develop some guys, and now we're finally becoming a good team in the MLB. It's it's very encouraging. Well, last year they showed a little bit of promise what they could do of making it to the wild card, losing in the wild card. And then now this year, actually rounding out into form and doing it pretty much on all sides of the baseball with without a big hallmark guy to hang their hat on. Like, if I told you, name the best the best star on the Twins right now, it might take you a little bit. It might, to even probably, name, probably take me take a little bit. Take you a little yeah. bit, right? <laughs> um, so to, to do that, I mean, baseball's like the ultimate team game, right? You, one player isn't going to do it for you in baseball. So the fact that they're such a cohesive and great team, um, that, re- that really speaks volumes to how the Twins are doing in that AL Central. Right, and also uh, they are on pace to become the first team to hit over 300 home runs in a season in a park that's not it's not batter-friendly. I'd say if you had to categorize, it's probably more pitcher-friendly. They're mm-hmm. on pace to hit over, first team to hit over 300 home runs. Um, but as I said, they've been sliding a little bit, so we'll see. that they're, they're right now 
uh, I think three game. They're three games ahead of Cleveland. When on June second, they were eleven and a half games ahead. Mm-hmm. You talk about who's hot at the right time. Uh, it's it's well, not I mean, them right now. Real quick, the Cleveland Indians. You want to talk about? It may be because you know going twenty one and twenty one for the Twins may not be terrible. But you want to talk about the Cleveland Indians? That was a team getting Carlos Santana back. That was one of the teams that people were very high on coming into this season, and they started out coming out the gate a little rocky. And the Indians have turned it on on. Um, so for them for them to be this hot and to be creeping up on the Twins like that, like the Twins have to look in the rear view and see the Indians coming up on them pretty quickly. Yeah, Lindor's been good for them as well. Uh, very good player mm. there. Uh, the Astros, which we really only have briefly touched on in, in our script here, they're yeah. on pace to win 102 games. Quietly. Like they, quietly on pace to win 102 games. This is the power of building through the farm system is that now you have these guys that are on affordable contracts and, and you're really built for the future. Well, you said it. You said it right at the top of the right at the top of the show. You said I don't see a team that's that's touching the Yankees, and it, it speaks to how quietly they are. They're the best team, the one of the best teams in baseball, but if not the best team in baseball. And here we are sitting sitting here saying, "Oh, I don't see a team that's going to touch the Yankees." I'm sorry, the Astros are a team to touch the Yankees. And if you said that anywhere around the Houston area, you might get smacked up because that that's a team that should be taking the league by storm, and for some reason just isn't. Why do you think that is? Ah. Uh... I, I mean, part of it is because of the Houston market. Yeah. I mean, when you're not in the biggest markets, uh, especially with a long, long season like baseball has, I think some of your success can get lost to the national media. Um, I, I, as for, like, why they're not first to come to mind, like a Boston would be when you talk about who's going to be contending with the Yankees, like, they're just not a mainstay year in year out. Oh, like the even though they are becoming that, I yeah. will say they are becoming that. They, like I said, they have a team that is built to be a contender years forward. Um, someone who just came up this year, who has been dominant for them, is Jordan Alvarez in left field. Uh, granted, it's a super super small sample size. I think he's played only like. 31 games Something but, like that. but he he's been incredible for them yeah um uh, and then they have bats to to, to go around there. yeah i mean there, there might have been a couple of other things happening in the city of houston this summer that may have taken attention away from the astros i can't really think of what that is off the top of my yeah. head there may yeah. there may we have talked been about it a little yeah bit there, there may have been some some trades of, of some sort to, to go on but you spoke to um the success of the houston astros let's run through it real quick i'll give you some stats right off the back they lead the majors in both win percentage and run difference They've also played the fourth toughest schedule in baseball this season. Uh, George Springer and Alex Bregman go one and two in AL and home runs. And then you talk about Jordan Alvarez. There's also great production from other quiet guys like Michael Brantley, who's hitting 324s, fifth in AL with 10 homers and 32 RBIs. I mean, that's just solid production from from players not named uh, Jose Altuve, George Springer, uh, Yuri Gurriel, and players like that. Yeah, and as we've kind of been touching on, like, it's just... This is all great. This is phenomenal. You're doing well in the regular season. Uh, First thing you got to jump over is the injury bug. You have to get to the playoffs relatively uninjured, relatively healthy. And then on top of that, you have to have your pitching be solid and hold up through the crucible of the postseason. Mm -hmm. They've got Justin Verlander, who this season, we talked about it when we talked about the uh, MLB All-Star break, is having another great year. He's 13-4, and Garrett Cole, 11-5, and so like... Garrett Cole also leads the MLB in strikeouts. Yep. First two, first guy to get to 200 strikeouts this year. So, I mean, when you look at Verlander, whip, uh, .84 whip, that, that, that's something that 
once you go into a playoff series and, and you're you're pitching, you know, a smaller rotation, mm-hmm. I think it, it, it kind of favors a team like the Astros. Yeah, I mean, once you go into that playoff race, if you mix that great pitching on one and two, because the past couple seasons, they've gone in the in the playoffs with Verlander being their head-over-heels best pitcher. Now you go into the playoffs with mixing that bat with both Verlander and Garrett Cole, um, you get a dangerous, dangerous team like the Houston Astros who I don't see hitting a speed bump until maybe getting to the ALCS and playing a team like the Yankees. Yep, agreed. Um, so let's, if we flip it over from the AL to the NL side, we get our beloved NL East race right now. And who's pulling ahead in that is the Atlanta Braves with probably the, the most one of the most diverse lineups in Major League Baseball. Um, they filled pretty much the only weakness that they had, which was starting pitching, especially left-handed pitching, with Dallas Keuchel. Um uh, but, you know, the, the Braves, Josh Donaldson is turning it on. You get Ronald Acuna, who's absolutely just tearing the cover off the ball right now. Freddie Freeman, who's always solid. Nick Markakis, who's a professional. Um, the, the Braves are one of the best teams in baseball. Yeah, Markakis uh, ha- had a really good little stretch in the middle of the season. I think he hit, like, a whole bunch of home runs in one week. He only has nine home He's not really a home run hitter. Um, but as you mentioned, like, you go down that lineup and pick your poison. You want a lefty, you want a righty, power hitter, contact hitter. Um, veterans, young guys, like, they really just have the perfect blend. You mentioned Freddie Freeman. I think he's one of the most underrated players. Yeah, that 100%. guy, year in, year out, comes in and tears the cover off the baseball. And then Ronald Acuna Jr. this year has really popped off the charts um, and has become a, a star for them. Yeah, and they're just going to ride that wave. That's, that's all you got to do. It's about consistency in baseball. I mean, people say baseball is the toughest sport to, to maintain – uh, success in because it's such a long regular season and we're going to hit those dog days soon. Like now we're going to hit the who's who's made it, who's made of it, right? Because you're going to get into August and August and September right before the playoffs. It's I've played over 100 baseball games. It's dead hot. Um, I don't feel like going out and doing it for the 110th, 20th, 30th, 40th time this season. So now we're going to see who can sustain that excellence. And we're going to see that if the Braves can maybe knock off the, the Dodgers dominance in the NL of the past two years, because that's also a team we spoke on it, you know, in, in previous episodes, who's looking again like they might take the nl crown yeah and man the dodgers like and it's always been can can they get it done in the postseason you know we're we're, we're pretty we're pretty used to uh the dodgers killing it in the regular season i kind of want to talk about like i'm like we we did when we talked about the dodgers are good i mean cody bellinger's great right uh jock patterson they've got a bunch of great pitching to go along with it it's just going to be can you perform when it matters that's all it comes down can you get hot when it matters, can you be healthy? When it matters, yeah, and that that, that that's, that's yet to be seen for for the Dodgers. Look, get hot when it matters. There's a team that's hot right now, and it matters, and that's probably a team that not a lot of people are even aware of. I wasn't aware of it to be honest until maybe a couple days ago. I knew they were winning games. I didn't know they were winning games like this. The San Francisco Giants, who yeah. were at the beginning of the season down for the count. No one, people were writing them off. Madison Bumgarner was going to get traded before the All-Star break. No one really cared about he them. He still might get traded. Yeah, he still might get <laughs> traded. Um but they're 17-3 and three in their last 20 games. That's up there with one of the best records in baseball. Vaulting them to 52-50 and 50, um, and firmly stamping them in the middle of that wild card hunt, you know, with the Nationals and Phillies and Brewers and all of them. And, you know, the the Red or, you know, Kung Fu Panda Pablo Sandoval came out and said, you know, maybe a little bit of a hot take. 
He said, this team feels like the 2014 team. The 2014 team won the World Series. Now, let's do a little, con- little bit of a comparison, a little bit of numbers breakdown between the 2014 Giants and the 2019 Giants. Through 102 games, the 2014 Giants were 58 and, 58 and 44. This year's Giants are 52 and 50. A little bit of a better record in 2014. However, they are hitting the ball so much better than they were in 2014. Okay, compared to 2014, they're plus 17 in home runs, plus 44 in RBIs, plus 10 points in slugging percentage, and plus 6 points in OPS. So on the offensive side of the ball, Pablo Sandoval is spot on the money Mm -hmm. that this team can can really do it. Yeah, well, where I think it maybe switches up a little bit is with the pitching because Madison Bumgarner was still on that 2014 that he speaks about, uh, was 18 and 10. Uh, You go go down, they still have Lincecum, Tim Hudson, Ryan Vogelsong, Matt Cain, Jake Peavy, and the bullpen. All vets, too. All, right. all vets. In the, in the bullpen, you had Sergio Romo uh, as the closer. Like, that's a way more complete team. And if they still, like, I guess now you probably don't trade Bumgarner. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what their intentions are. It's weird because at the beginning of the season, you kind of look at your your team and you're like, uh, what do we have use for Madison Bumgarner? Might as well flip him and see if we can get something out of him before he just walks and he's too old. But now, I mean, you might have, you might be able to utilize someone like Madison Bumgarner, but it, it comes down to this. Like, even if you do make the playoffs, are you, are what are you, you going to do? Are you really going to make a run in a World but Series? You, you kind of say the same thing about, uh, the 2014 team, I guess, at, at points, they were only 87 and 75. Like, mm-hmm. not a dominant, dominant team. They finished second in the NL West that year. I, to me, I think they probably still move him. Like, I don't know. It's really tough to kind of shoot yourself in the foot when you've been so hot, at least until you cool down. But they might not even get the chance to see, like, okay, are we going to cool down because you have the trade deadline coming up so soon. So if I had to guess, I'd say Madison Bumgarner probably still gets moved. Because you can find equivalent value for next year when you gear up for next year and you know, like, okay, we can make a few improvements and we'll be a pretty good team. Yeah, I mean, you move them now, I mean... And because you know we go back to that 2014 team and their that pitching staff that you all named uh, was really dynamic. I mean the worst pitcher on that pitching staff was probably Ryan Vogelsong went eight and 14 with a 4.0 ERA. That would be the second best pitcher on this year's Giant staff. So <laughs> like j- just I mean it's like right. it's like night and day compared to that team and this team. And we know in the live ball era, especially in this year, how home runs are up and how slugging and the offensive side of the ball is up so much that those offensive stats that I just named are kind of saturated and kind of inflated because they're up all over the league. I bet every team from 2019 to 2014 probably is a plus in home runs, RBIs, OPS, and slugging percentage. But I would I would. You know, I wouldn't go as far to say as, you know, some teams are as better as their previous World Series teams if their pitching looks like that right. this and, year. And just really quick before we transition, about that home run point, uh, there are 50 players on pace to hit 30 home runs this year, which in 2014, the year where we're talking about with the Giants, only 11 players hit 30 or more home runs. There is nearly 50 on pace this year. Obviously, we've we've talked about it in the past. Obviously, something going on with the baseball, but I mean, they might as well just come out and admit at this point. Like, I mean, you might as well I, say something. Now. I mean, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if we're ever going to get that out of them. But uh, 
I, I don't I don't I don't know. It'll be interesting to see what they do for sure. Yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. All right, so let's transition from the diamond back to the ground because I know something you're really excited for is the NFL season coming up. Training camp started most this definitely. week. Most yep. most every team reported the training camp this week. Uh, and despite leading the NFL and rushing on 4.7 yards per carry last year, Ezekiel Elliott was only worth .2 wins more than a replacement player last year, according to Pro Football Focus. Are running backs overvalued in the NFL, or you know, should teams like the Chargers or Cowboys really give Melvin Gordon and Ezekiel Elliott the money they're looking for? Well, I think you know you can have both sides. I don't think running backs are overvalued, but I also they're a little overvalued. They're a little I, bit overvalued. Well, I I think that they're valued at what they should be valued at because like a guy like Zeke or a guy like Melvin Gordon are they worth that money maybe in a vacuum yes like are they worth 13 14 whatever however many million they want like based on skill yes based on if you have to build a team to win a championship you can't be putting that much money into players who running backs year over year decline more than any other position especially when you get uh, when you break it down by position you that is the position that has the shortest prime right i mean on, right. on average uh, i can expect my running back to have a three-year prime anything more than that and i'm getting more than what i bargained for more than what i'm playing for you know what i mean right and and between the two of them i mean when you look at both of their teams the cowboys are in discussion right now, I think, and, and and they're playing a game right now with Zeke's like, oh, well, I might go out of the country. And uh, Jerry Jones uh, is like, okay, go out of the country then. Right. Like, so, you, you well, you enter dangerous territory then where you approach another Le'Veon Bell situation, which I don't really think either side wants. You look at how the Le'Veon Bell thing played out, and I think he, he kind of screwed himself a little bit. Maybe he doesn't take the pounding and he gets more guaranteed money, but he doesn't get more money per year than no. he would have if he and took he that contract. And he doesn't nearly get the, the bag that he chased after right that's i mean what I'm saying, he, yeah. he hit the open market saying i'm gonna have all 32 teams buying for me and he legit probably had about you know five or six and then had to choose the jets probably was the best offer he'd take and zeke runs that risk and you know Le'Veon bell was going had, had suspensions and had off the field issues looming over his head so does zeke zeke's coming off suspensions coming off scandals like you hit the open market like that and you're really you're taking a huge gamble that for a running back isn't guaranteed to pay off guaranteed isn't likely to pay off right and also it's like just the position the nature of of running backs is so based upon the teammates like if you don't have a good quarterback you could have a great offensive line you don't have a good quarterback and you have a good running back and teams are going to key in on the run or if you don't have a good offensive line you're not gonna have any holes to run through so like i if i'm a team i'd rather pay my offensive lineman more money and have a somewhat subpar running back than the other way around. Here's what I will say. The offensive line can make a good running back, but a good running back could really propel your offense, as Zeke has been able to do, especially when you have a young quarterback like Dak. Like, I think we all can agree that I don't think Dak would have been as good in his rookie season if Zeke wasn't as good as he was yeah. in their rookie season. You know what I mean? Uh, over the last three seasons, as a starter, Zeke led the league in rushing attempts and closeout situations with 158. But among running backs with 20 such attempts, he ranks just 26 in rim pro win probability added per play. Like, if you really break it down, how valuable is someone with Zeke? Look at the Cowboys' perspective. In a couple of years, we're going to have to have three people who we're going to have to pay. Dak Prescott, Amari Cooper, and Ezekiel Elliott. Just on offense. Just on offense. Yeah. Star quarterback, star wide receiver, star running back. I can only pay two out of three. Guess who's getting cut? <laughs> Guess who's not getting yeah. the bag? That's you, Zeke. I'm yeah. sorry. Well, and it's unfortunate because, like, if you think about, like, like, okay, let's say we're playing Madden and you make a player. Who are you most likely to make your, your guys? Who's the most fun 
to play in Madden. Well, for me, it's the running back. It's the running back. No, for everyone, it's the running back. Like, yeah. it's incredible. Even in college and high school, like, running backs are still incredibly important. But the number game of the NFL just says, look, it, it, it's not that efficient to run the ball 25 times. And it's also not good for your running back's health right. to give them so many touches. Especially if you're someone like Zeke who doesn't hang his hat on being a dual threat running and catching. Look, I can go get Joe Schmo off the street, hand him the ball in his gut and say, run up the middle for three yards and get slandered by Luke Keekly. I, I can do that. Right. Anybody can do that. But if you're not someone who can stretch the field and make defenses keen on you on both ends, on running and receiving, then and you're really limiting your value, and that's what Zeke is doing right now. Yeah, and, and I mean, both with Melvin Gordon and Zeke, it'll be interesting to see how they play out. Probably won't find that out until a uh, couple weeks from now, uh, whether that goes one way or the other. But when you look at it just as like an overall look on running backs in today's game, like like you're saying, either I'd rather have like a Corey Clement, who the Eagles got for nothing and ended up playing a big role in their Super Bowl, for you know, uh, relatively nothing, or you could have Melvin Gordon, who is a great player, a better player than Corey Clement. But when you look at him on his rookie deal, he was picked in the first round. He's the 11th largest cap hit for running backs in the NFL. So it's not even like you're really even getting a good deal when you pick mm-hmm. running backs early in the draft, let alone you pay them a big contract like they paid Todd Gurley. And Todd Gurley's arthritis could possibly have cost the Rams a Super Bowl. So, mm-hmm. I mean, really, you have to look in the mirror as a team and decide what you want to do. Yeah, I mean, a good running game is important, but an individual running back isn't. Mm -hmm. And that's what we see a lot of teams are doing. I need to have a good running game, but that doesn't mean I have to have one running back who does it. Right. The Saints, the Ravens, so many teams, the Chiefs, so many teams are this running back by committee style because of that. I'm not going to have one running back toting the ball 25 times and taking these hits when I can... Uh, divide those carries and those touches by two to three different running backs all getting about 11, 12 touches and now we have fresh legs on every down. We No one's getting hurt. We have different looks, different styles. Right. This guy can run on the tackles. This guy can run outside. This guy can catch. So why don't we do that running back by committee? It works like right. that. And, and it's like a lot of times, especially with the good coaches, it's more system than it is the player. Right. Like you look, they had Damian Williams after Kareem Hunt and Spencer Ware, uh, even before Damian Williams. Those guys all produced well. Why? Because they're in the Chiefs system. Andy Reid is going to be able to scheme you ways to get open. Um, and if you're, like you said, if you are just a one-faceted back, it's going to be very hard to get that big money. Now, I think I think we will see one more huge contract running back. And that will be Christian McCaffrey coming up. Maybe he deserves, he's proved to be, to be an every down. Maybe back. Alvin Kamara as well, just yeah. because of how much they mean to their team and what they can do. Well, on the, the Saints field. have already proved it, getting rid of Mark Ingram and, and pretty much saying to Alvin Kamara, "You're a guy." But Christian McCaffrey had to go get it out the mud and really prove it. He, Christian McCaffrey, for as well as he did in college, what Heisman Trophy finalist might have even been the runner-up uh, for the Heisman Trophy. Um, he really had to. He was, he was a lot of doubts on Christian McCaffrey coming into the league. And you know why, right? I, you know why. He white boy running back. A white boy running back. Hey, Not a ton of them back. running around look, look, look. out there. Yeah. <laughs> and we, it's called Spade and Spade. I'm glad you said it because I didn't want to bring it up. <laughs> he white boy running back. But he's proven I'm wrong. I really like Tristan McCaffrey, especially at Stanford. But uh, he's really proven to be an every down running back. By the way, Bull is swole now. You see him? Yeah, he's Jack. He's swole now. It's hilarious. He's um, huge. Just some more numbers on that and, and, and specifically speaking about overloading your running backs and running backs who are considered workhorse backs where they just get carry after carry after carry. When you look at running backs with over 15 or more rushing attempts in 10 or more games, 
Back in 2000, there were 16. And from 2000 to 2008, there weren't less than like 11 players in the NFL who registered that. Since then, there's only been one season where they even got to 11 in the NFL. That was in 2012. Last year, Zeke was the only player who met that, that standard. So That's crazy. Clearly, very, very clearly now, the NFL is going in a way more pass-heavy game. And, and you know what? Just like the NBA, where during the Warriors run and even a little bit before that, it was, wow, the centers are being phased out of the game. This is a guard league, and now we have guys like Giannis, Embiid, Cat, AD, who are kind of shifting the paradigm once again. So yeah. maybe things will change. Um, but, but as of right now, like the future of running backs is very bleak. I mean, it's it's also it's it's both the league getting pass heavy and it's also what we talked about the running back by committee and that's just smart i mean i got three words to you that prove the running back by committee that's the new england patriots they never have a dominant running back they have someone who they have two to three different backs who get you down the field and then they have someone like Garrett blunt who they only call into the game for five or less yards and then he ends up leading the league in touchdowns because he's the ball two times a game and that's right. inside the five but, yard and, line. It's, and it's like it's funny because when you look at that like are they really like you said, they have two, three guys that dominate. Are are they really the two, three guys, or is it Bill Belichick saying, okay, X, this role will dominate, this role will do this, and they'll right. be good? Because, like, look, Deion Lewis was phenomenal in his role in New England, and, and, left, and he's on the Titans, and, you know, he's not making that much of a difference. Right. Uh, same can probably be said for James White once he eventually gets chunked because he wants too much money, uh, which is what they do <laughs> or, up there. Or hits, or hits the 29-year-old age of running back for the Belichick, and he has right. no use yeah, for him anymore. Like, thanks, and, but, uh, and, it's no just, and it's plug and chug for them. It's like Bill Belichick. Belichick is confident. I will go find another Deion Lewis. I will go find another James White. I will go find another LeGarrette Blunt. It's just whoever, wherever he is, he's out there, and I will go find him, and, and I'll turn him into and that. And they're easier to find Sony than if Mich- you have. Sony Michelle is going right back into that Deion Lewis right. role. And guess what? Let's say Sony's knees don't hold up. He had some knee procedures. They got Damian Harris yeah, from man. Alabama who could easily fill into that role. He's the same running back. Um, just real quickly before we transition, some uh, closing thoughts on that. When you look at what players at in the top three of their position uh, in terms of defensive defense adjusted yards above le- replacement DYAR to win a Super Bowl since 2006? The top three in that statistic for quarterbacks, there's been nine uh, in the top three since 2006 to win. For wide receivers, it's the same nine. For running backs, only three in the top three have won a Super Bowl when they're in the top three. Have, have made a Super Bowl. I'm sorry, this is all made a Super Bowl. Mm. Have made a Super Bowl. So clearly running backs is not the difference there. No. And look, it, I, don't, I don't think it ever will be. Um, we've we've gone away from that. If we, if we were in the 70s and 80s and we were running the ball 35 times a game and you know the score was 17 to 14 at the end of every game, then that'd be different. But right. we're just not there anymore. No, I want to see Pat Mahomes throw the ball 60 right. times a game for 100 yards per attempt. Then I want to see a three-yard carry for first and second yeah, Brave new world. All right, and now we're going to head into our mailbag segment. It's been a little while since we did the last one of these. If, if you want to be included in this mailbag segment, like the people you're about to hear, all you have to do is DM us a clip of yourself, either audio or video, giving your hottest take or a question that you want us to answer. Uh, without further ado, let's hear our first one from listener Ben Levine. All right, two hot takes for you. OKC won the trade with Houston. They're going to win the West before CP3 retires, and Jose Altuve does have a bigger dick than Aaron Judge. <laughs> Pause! Whoa! That's quite the take. Whoa! That's quite the take. Uh, both are very wrong. I'm not gonna. <laughs> first of all, I'm not gonna sit. I'm not gonna sit here and break down how hung somebody is. I'm just not gonna do it. So we can hold that second one. The first one I will comment on, and 
look, to, to say that OKC won the trade, one is is wrong and is a hot take. But what's even more wrong is saying that they will win the West before CP retires. Because they're not, CP's not even going to be on the team by the end of the season. And in what world does that OKC team beat any of the top four or five teams in the West? Any of them. Yeah. Look, I would love it. I would love that it would warm my heart. But I got to be realistic at the end of the day. Yeah, but what if they trade? Like, okay, let's go. Let's put the tinfoil hat on. Put the tinfoil. Put it on, James. Put it on. All right. So let's say that we are OKC and we have 15 first round picks. You're telling me they can't get. (laughs) They do. Well, they they, they have some like ridiculous amount. So let's say that you were to trade them like and go get like an Aaron Gordon or a like someone who is like decent. Because the the big three of Chris Paul, Aaron Gordon, and Steven Adams is is who gets it done. Is who gets it done. Come on. Okay, fine. Then let's If I can be realistic about Chris Paul's career, then you need to be realistic about Chris Paul's career. Wait, sorry. Which one do you think is more likely then? Go ahead. No, which which are the takes that he gave? We're more likely. I told you I'm not breaking down the second thing. You're going to break it down? Just give me your... You had to pick one. <laughs> <laughs> the second one's probably a little more likely. Uh, I would say <laughs> the second one's probably a little more likely. That that is quite the statement right there. Because Jose uh, Jose Altuve does have a little little BDE, little big dick energy, so he, he might be swinging one. Yeah, Ben, that is um that's quite the take there. I think that's a first uh first straight facts breaking down the endowment of two MLB players. That's your man's. Yes, my man. That's my man's right there. You got him. You co-sign him. Okay. All right. All right. And uh, the next one now is is from uh, our guy Kareem Awad. See what Kareem has for us. There was a tag team match between Dwight Howard and Demarcus Cousins as one team, and on the other team you had Greg Oden and Andrew Bynum, but their manager was Kwame Brown. Who'd win that fight? I think it's hilarious. I think it's hilarious that he put. Kwame Brown is the coach because I don't know what what is that why does that make them be a better detriment. Yeah. Like I would not want Kwame Brown as my coach. And what type of like are we talking like a WWE style? That's what I'm thinking. That's what I'm thinking. WWE style. Yeah. Look, uh, Andrew Bynum would be too busy eating glue or whatever the hell he does. <laughs> uh, Dwight Howard and Boogie, they could beat up some like real life like That's WWE. What I'm saying. WWE. That's what I'm like, saying. Greg Oden would probably hurt himself jumping in the ring. Right. What a terrible. I mean, maybe if you like split it up where you got like. Big, totally not gay Dwight Howard, as he made it totally apparent. <laughs> yeah. Not gay. Uh, and uh, Kwame Brown, or who did you say? Andrew Bynum. Maybe mm-hmm. that's a, uh, And then you have Boogie and Greg Gooden. Maybe that's a more fair matchup. But. I don't know, because if... So so say say we're going to take out all uh, all conditions on it. All, everybody's healthy. It's utopia. It's a perfect world. There was a time where Andrew Bynum and Greg Oden were beasts. And I mean Beast. So Kwame Brown was supposed to be a beast. Both supposed to be a beast. <laughs> I'm taking Kwame Brown out of the yeah. situation. Kwame, Kwame Brown. I don't know what he's doing. He's like the Vince McMahon, I guess, in this whole thing. He could just sit over there. But there was a time with Greg Oden and um, Greg uh, Oden and, and Andrew Bynum were like certified beasts, man. Yeah. Like, and if if I'm taking you yeah, like, I'm switching it up. I'm taking him. I'm taking a dark horse. Damn. I'm taking a dark horse over here. All right. So my squad versus your squad. We when take Boogie Cousin Baines. Uh, Odin over his knee breaks him in <laughs> half like a freaking pencil. Look, it's gonna be the end of the match. I, I mean, if we're talking Finn Boogie now, then he gets swallowed up That's by true. Fat you know Andrew what? Bynum. He's, He's swallowed <laughs> up by Fat Andrew yeah, what Bynum. Do you think Andrew, Bynum, Andrew Bynum has to be overweight. Like, I don't really know. I haven't. I haven't been keeping up with him. But there's no way that man is any sort of sane anymore. The way he left the NBA. Yeah, someone gonna make uh, sure he's okay. Yeah, by yeah, the someone way, someone gotta check I on him. I haven't seen him. But we're gonna move on. The third and final one comes from my man Tulio from Westchester. Let's see what Tulio had to say. 
What's up, Straight Facts crew? This is for my man Jimmy J, being the Rockets fan that he is. I believe the Rockets are going to be better with Russ than they were with CP3. And also, my take on the Eastern Conference is that the Sixers will not come out the East this year. I mean, he, he kind of came at both of our heads just bit. now. I mean, do you want to get him out of here first? Go ahead, get him out of here first because he yeah, talked about I your mean, beloved I just don't Sixers. Know, like, who... Who? Who? Really? You're going to have the Bucks with a player who can't shoot? Everyone sits here telling me, oh, Ben Simmons is terrible. He can't shoot. Yeah, the Bucks have a player who has no shooting ability He won either. MVP, Jake. That That's player great. that he you're won talking MVP. about How'd... won the MVP. That's great. How did he do when, when it mattered in the playoffs against Kawhi? He the same hid. as your team. He hit. He shot at the... No, no, no. <laughs> not the same as my <laughs> team. team. The Sixers, with a worse roster last year, took the Raptors to seven games. I, they, they got better this year, as we've talked about. I am a stand of the Here's Sixers. I'm say. firmly in the camp. We're Here's coming what out I east. will say. Ben Simmons in the playoffs is, say it with me. Say it with me. He is. Shaky I'm not, like, there's baby. There's never going to be a time where you like, elicit a response. Baby. Where I'm going to say Ben Simmons is shaky. And no. two, after I, I would have said right after the end of the season, when the Bucks really thinned out, when Miritich left and they lost Brogdon, I would have been on your wagon and I would have paused. I would have been on your side and would have said, yes, Sixers hands down would have come out the East. But they retooled with the shooting. Okay, getting Wesley Matthews and now getting Kyle Korver, that's really big additions. They're not going to be able to replace Malcolm Brogdon in that backup point guard position. Now the the role of George Hill amplifies, and I'm not sure how good it is for them. But they want to make Giannis their point guard anyway. So they may not lose so much in that, but they get the shooting on the outside to surround him with the perimeter players yeah. that he needs to patrol the paint. Korver was huge. Yeah, and then you go and get Robin Lopez, which is a decent backup center, to back up his brother, Brooke. So the Bucks kind of retooled. So I might say the Bucks come out the East this year. They may not be more talented than the Sixers, but I think they're a little bit better overall. Yeah, I guess so. Well, what do you think about his Houston take then? Okay, well, he's an idiot for that one. <laughs> One, I'm not a Rockets fan anymore, so I've I've, I've taken that all jersey off. It must be convenient. It must be super convenient. It, it's convenient from the best for my favorite player in the NBA to really not know what his next destination is. That's not convenient. That's nerve wracking. You don't ever have to be tied to a team. It's like, oh well, maybe CP3 could get traded. No, next I'm year tied and... to a player. At least if you're tied to a team, no matter who comes and goes, you know who your allegiance is to. Me and Chris Paul are sitting down on a random desert island, not really knowing where the, where the hell we're going to go next. And who chose that? I did. You did. Okay. I chose okay. that a long time ago. But here's what I will say about the Rockets. I've said it before, but I'm only gonna I'm gonna leave it to this one statement. Talent only gets you so far in basketball. Execution gets you the rest of the way. It's going to be fun, but when it comes down to X's and O's, it really comes down to can Russ and or Harden get out of the other one's way when it matters most. If one of them has the ball, one of them needs to make it happen, can the other one get out of the way? And Hell when no. and when the other one gets <laughs> out of the way, can they be effective when they get out the way? No, they both need the ball no. to do what they do best. And they do what they do best at a high level, but they can't do it off uh, the ball. The thing is, like, they both could, but when it comes down to will they, no. Well, no. I think Harden's a little more willing to do it, and he could do it, but he's not going to do it at the 35-point-a-game level that he's used but to. But to me, it makes more sense. And we've, we've talked about this. I don't want to rehash this, but we talked no. about, like, it should be Harden off ball with Russ doing a lot of cutting action and uh, stuff like that, but it just won't be. It, w- it won't be. It'll be... Probably similar to last year where Russ is chucking up threes that he shouldn't be taking. Yeah. And, you know, Are you happy, Tulio? You got a rise out of me. That's what you wanted. You got a rise you, out Julio. of me. Whatever. Let's move on to the countdown. All right. Number five. Number five is for the amount of EPL teams in the Forbes top 50 most valuable franchises this year. Can you guess which ones those are? Let's see how good you are. Oh, man, EPL teams. I, I don't even know if I, if I have. If I have uh, I'm going to go Man U. Yeah. Uh, Chelsea. Yeah. 
Man City. Yep. Liverpool. Yep. Uh, give me one more. And Tottenham. Ooh, no. Oh, I almost had it. Who's uh, fifth? Ar- Arsenal, Arsenal is Arsenal's the fifth, fifth one. Ding, That's ding, ding. One. There That's you go. That's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, number four. Uh, so of the 21 players who have thrown at least one pitch for the Kansas City Royals, only four have an ERA of four or below. Uh, in layman's terms, that's really bad. In layman's terms, the Royals blow. This is <laughs> this is what number? This is the third it's like time, second or third straight week. straight time that we've gotten the Royals out of here in Countdown. The, the Royals tighten up, please. Yeah, tighten up. terrible. Number three. Number three. The number of walk-off wins the Giants had in their last five games. We talked about it earlier this episode. Getting hot at the right time. They're starting to do that. The bats are coming alive. I'm not really going to subscribe to what Pablo Sandoval said and say that they're the 2014 team, but the Giants are hot right now. Yep, we'll see what they do with Matt. Bump. Yeah, number two. The number of consecutive years the Packers have caught a pro bowler before the season. Last year was Josh Sitton, and uh, this year Mike Daniels today was announced that he was yeah. cut. That's very surprising. Present. Mike Daniels is a guy who can play, man. Mm. I mean, he's a run-stopper supreme there. But uh, If the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are listening, please go get that, man. <laughs> and number one. Number one is for the only player in the NFL in the last two seasons to have 200 touches, Five yards per carry and 10 yards per reception in each of those seasons. I will give anybody like $200 if they can guess who this is. You know who it is. But I will give anybody like $200 if they can guess who this number, who this one player is. Here, I'll tell you who it is. It's the guy who uh, Melvin Gordon is beating out right now. It's Austin Eckler. Yeah, it's the guy crazy. who's backing up Melvin Gordon. Like, we, we spent this entire episode talking about <laughs> running backs. The little Austin Eckler is dominant. If, if the Chargers need anything really to say, is Melvin Gordon worth that bag or not? Give this stat to them, and they will save themselves a buttload of money to not pay for them. Yeah, that's um, craziness. But time is almost up. We can get some shots up at the buzzer. You got anything to say at the buzzer, Jake? Yeah, all I'll say is that, Jewel, we miss you a lot. Uh, this is a lot more difficult to do when you are not here. Did you see that we, we got a couple takes? There was a couple, uh, a couple you know, takes. Like the, lost, the lost tapes. The lost tapes. <laughs> the, uh, there might have been a couple takes. We, we have an appreciation for what you do, Jewel. I'll yeah, definitely. Right. Absolutely. We miss you. Uh, this is what I have to say at the buzzer. This past weekend, Manny Pack. Uh, we talked about in this past week in sports, this mid-40-year-old, 40-year-old man uh, beating a young title contender uh, to get a belt this weekend. But I don't know why this always happens when Manny Pacquiao wins a fight. But everyone wants to go back to, well, he should fight Floyd again. Oh, Floyd, Floyd doesn't want to fight this Manny Pacquiao. Yeah. No, I'm tired of hearing this. You keep, you put respect on the 50 and 0. Did you see his pound post? for pound king? Yes, I did. And he's right. And it, Pacquiao can't be in the news without Floyd Mayweather's name attached to it for some reason. And people are really trying to say that Floyd wouldn't want to fight this Manny Pacquiao. Like Floyd didn't treat Manny Pacquiao when they fought. Look, Manny Pacquiao came in to Floyd Mayweather's fight, fully healthy, on steroids, and <laughs> tore a rota- and tore a rotator cuff, swinging and missing on 75% of his punches on Floyd Mayweather. I don't want to hear it that Manny Pacquiao could beat Floyd Mayweather right now, because Floyd Mayweather could probably step into a ring on six weeks of training and still make it's Manny just, swing and miss like that. It's just when you're number two like that, they always want to compare and come for the crown of number one. And, and honestly, like, in the whole scape of things, I don't know welterweight, uh, Floyd's weight class, like, I don't even know if Manny is the second best of all time anymore. No, there are right a lot not. of guys who are great fighters. So, but that, that that's just where that comes from, you know. Look, all I'm gonna say is that's 50 and 0 right there. Please respect. Uh, Floyd Mayweather. Yep. But that's all the time we have for this episode. Uh, big ups to Kyle, Kyle Sobieski, Greg Barron, and Stat Matt Robinson behind the camera. For our partner, Jules Schmitz, who we miss dearly. For my man's Jake Galley, I am James Jackson, and these have been the facts. Straight up. <laughs>